The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. Let me pray briefly, and then Mindy's going to read our passage in Exodus chapter 12. Father, pray the words of Ephesians chapter 1. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened. Would you enlighten the eyes of our hearts? that we may know what is the hope to which you have called us. Use your word to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. The word of the Lord from Exodus 12, 1 to 28. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old, You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains of the morning until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of the Egypt of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven out of, the, out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person will be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold an, a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you." And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses." If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. 
You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places, you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. The word of the Lord. Nine plagues have just devastated Egypt. Water was turned to blood. An invasion of frogs, gnats, and flies. Livestock were killed. Painful boils on the skin. Hail, locusts, and a supernatural darkness for three days. Nine plagues that... Pharaoh and Egypt would know that the God of Israel is the one true God. And then, last week we saw chapter 11, an entire chapter where God warns of a tenth and final plague. When he would strike the firstborn of Egypt to deliver his own firstborn, Israel. So, a Great salvation is about to take place for Israel. A great and awesome salvation is about to take place. But for this particular plague, for Israel, some assembly is required. (laughs) And obedience response will be necessary to avoid this final plague. And so we read beginning in verse 3, that each household must find a lamb, a lamb without blemish, without defect. And these lambs are to be killed all at twilight on the same night and roasted at the same time. Imagine when you smell that your neighbor is grilling Hamburgers or hot dogs later today, and you smell that grilled smell. That's coming from every house in Goshen. As they roast all of these lambs that have just been killed at the same time. But this is rich symbolism. Rich, important symbolism and an act of faith. 
verse 7, verse 7, they are to take the blood of these lambs, take the blood, put it on the two doorposts and lintel of the houses in which they eat. So blood is now dripping down the threshold of every single home, the blood of that lamb you killed for your household. And they are in verse 8, to eat that lamb with unleavened bread, verse 8, and bitter herbs. Unleavened bread because the bread has no time to rise since they are to leave in haste. Bitter herbs, probably to remind them of their bitter, bitter slavery in Egypt. And they are, notice, they are to eat with their bags packed, ready to go. Belts fastened, sandals on the feet, staff in hand. Burn any leftovers, God says. Because this is not about stocking up the pantry. This sacrifice has a singular purpose, a sign. Look at verse 13, please. Verse 13, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You see, the blood is a sign because the shedding of blood here means a death has occurred, the death of a substitute, a substitute to take their place, a substitute to stand in their stead that God's judgment would pass over them. And their freedom will result. But this is about more than freedom. Verse 27 we're told this is a sacrifice explicitly. It's a sacrifice because they are being delivered from God's judgment against their sin. The Israelites were sinners like the Egyptians, like us, like us. But the blood of this unblemished lamb, the blood of this perfect substitute was a sign that their sins were forgiven by the sacrifice of that substitute. The judgment Israel deserves, the judgment, friends, that we deserve. Passing over them. Because a substitute has been sacrificed. Does that sound familiar? It should. Because God saves in the Old Testament in the same manner in which he does in the New Testament. It's important to realize that. Salvation in the Old Testament is in the same manner as in the New they looked forward to the ultimate substitute, of course. We look back to the ultimate substitute. But a substitute dies that judgment deserved and earned by the guilty might pass over us. Now, we're going to think more about that next week. 
Next week, we're going to focus more on that. This passage is about the preparations for this great salvation. But there's a lot more that Mindy read, isn't there? There's a broader context for those preparations. Did you notice that? It it seems a bit strange. You've got the preparations for this meal set in a context that doesn't quite seem to fit. Did you notice that? Chapter 11 is the prediction of this final plague. You'd expect chapter 12, let's hit the plague. But that's not what happens. We get a lot of instructions from God first. Instructions about a calendar. Instructions about a future festival. Instructions about what to tell your kids at that future festival. Why all these instructions surrounding the preparations for this final plague? Well, one main reason, to remember, to never forget, to remember. Friends, so great a salvation must be remembered. That's why Mindy read that entire passage. That's the point, I would submit, of the larger context. So great a salvation, it must be remembered. We do the same, don't we? One-time events that happen in the past get remembered over and over and over. Sung and I are going away in a couple weeks for a couple nights in the uh, Laguna area, to celebrate our 26th anniversary. So 26 years ago, we had a wedding. Thank you, Lord, for that. So every year, we celebrate that, even though it was a one-time event 26 years ago. We do the same thing with birthdays. A birth, of course, is a one-time event for you, but you celebrate that birthday year in and year out. I was born almost 56 years ago, but I still semi-happily celebrate birthdays every year. We do this as a country. We just recently celebrated, remembered the birth of our country, July 4th, Independence Day, even though it occurred over two centuries ago. Nevertheless, we still remember that event every year. This great salvation is Israel's Independence Day that must be remembered regularly, lest they forget so great a salvation. Notice this theme. They would remember this salvation first in their calendar. Would you look at verse 1, please? In their calendar, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning, the beginning of months, It shall be the first month of the year for you. With this salvation event, their calendar is changed. Time is reordered. They will now reckon time in reference to this great salvation. So God recalibrates their calendar because this is a new beginning for Israel. A new year now marking this new beginning. Why? That they would remember 
they would remember this salvation with a future feast. Secondly, a future feast, this feast of unleavened bread. Look at verse 14 now, please. Verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. What's that? A day of remembrance, a day for remembering. This day shall be for you, this future feast, this future festival, post-Egypt, shall be a memorial day, a day of remembrance. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. So beginning in verse 14, a shift happens. Now we're told about a repeated festival they will keep in the future as part of their future Passover celebration. So again, this is post-Egypt. God looking ahead in the future. Your Passovers will be remembered by a seven-day feast every year, a Memorial Day, a day for Remembering, Alec Motier puts it like this. He says, the annual Passover celebrations were a constant summons. A constant summons to Israel to look back to their deliverance and redemption. I got a jury summons recently. I needed to respond to that summons. This annual celebration in Exodus 12 is like that for Israel, and a summons, a constant summons to look back, to not forget, to remember. And in doing so, they would remember this salvation in family life. Thirdly, in family life, this feast as part of those future Passover celebrations it would be a way of passing down the story of their redemption. They would, they would reenact every year with roasted lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread, such that, verse 26, verse 26, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt. I like how Carmen Imes puts this. She said, the reader of Exodus 12, the reader is asked to take up the ritual of the Passover, reenacting it every year, so that every generation gets to participate in this foundational event, making it their own story, making it their own story, tasting it, smelling it, feeling it. It seems so odd, all these instructions that Mindy read to us, but they, they had a point, didn't they? God wanted every generation to say, that story of that salvation is my story too. Kids, I hope, I hope in some way our Sunday services are like that for you kids. And you come and 
You see all the songs about Jesus' sacrifice. And you see the Lord's Supper being celebrated with the bread and the cup. And you hear about the good news of Jesus in every sermon. I hope you go home and you do what verse 26 describes. And you ask your, your parents, what do you mean by this service? And then parents, we have a chance to remind them, don't we? that they too would make this good news their own story. So great a salvation must be remembered. But I want to add one more word to that main point. I want to add the word earnestly. Or we could say carefully. Or we could say deliberately. I say, I say that because there, there's another aspect to this to notice. This festival in the future, for these future Passovers post-Egypt, it's going to require an, an earnest response, a, a careful and, and deliberate kind of remembering. Did you notice that? For this future memorial feast the focus will shift from blood dripping down the doorpost, which they won't repeat that part. The focus shifts to what? Did you notice? To bread. Unleavened bread. Bread without leaven. This repeated multiple times. This must be unleavened bread. Let there be no leaven in your house for seven days. Leaven is, I had to look it up. Leaven is typically yeast that makes the bread rise. So in that first Passover, they ate unleavened bread because they were to leave in haste, not allowing the bread to rise. No need for leaven. You're going to leave quickly, staff in hand. Why in these future Passovers, why in these future celebrations must there be no leaven, not even in the cupboard? I don't want to see it in the pantry. Why? I mean, bread is better with leaven. It's airy that way. It's spongy. It's tasty on the inside. I, one day this week, I did not bring my lunch to the office, and so I went to a local sandwich shop, and there are a number of things my digestive tract no longer appreciates. So I ordered a certain sandwich that sounded good, but it had to say, Hold the cheese, hold the mayo, and hold the onions. And I like cheese, I like mayonnaise, I like onions, but they don't like me anymore. So hold the cheese, hold the mayonnaise, hold the onions. And I said to the guy, I guess I just ruined the sandwich. And he said, no, it's the bread that makes the sandwich. And he was so right. This delicious Italian loaf of bread Lightly toasted on the outside, so nice and airy on the inside because leaven makes the bread better. So what if in future Passovers you just want a little leaven, maybe just a little bit of leaven in the house somewhere? What happens then? Well, verse 15 
On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. And if somehow you miss that part, God says it again a few verses later, verse 19. For seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Two times God says, you're going to be cut off, yet there's leaven even in your house. It's kind of a it's kind of a hot spot in the passage. You know, when they're putting out forest fires, but certain spots remain, it's a hot spot. It kind of grabs your attention. This is kind of a hot spot in the passage. Two times God says, cut off if there's any leaven in your house. Why? Well, I think Phil Riken's helpful here. He says, unleavened bread is made of pure wheat, untouched by yeast, So unleavened bread symbolized holiness. Unleavened bread symbolized holiness. Leaven or yeast is a good symbol for sin. It spreads and grows throughout the dough, like the corrupting influence that sin can have in our lives, spreading and growing. It's often said that God didn't just want to get his people out of Egypt. He wanted to get Egypt out of his people. So of this great salvation, they must earnestly remember. They must carefully remember. They must deliberately remember year after year. Now, I want to look with you at what the New Testament does with that. So would you please, if you have a Bible open still, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd like to see with you what the New Testament does with this festival we're being introduced to. So flip, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 to see how the New Testament transposes Exodus 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. The Apostle Paul says, your boasting is not good. Notice this. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump, spreads throughout the dough, cleanse out the old leaven, he says, that you might be a new lump as you really are unleavened for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. You see what's happening? 1 Corinthians 5 is taking Exodus 12 and pointing right to Jesus. But notice here, the leaven clearly symbolizes sin. The connection makes sense. The Passover was Israel's new beginning, right? New calendar, new beginning. When someone comes to Christ, that's a new beginning as well. So we read in verse 8, Let us therefore celebrate the festival, the festival of Exodus 12. Let us celebrate the festival, 
not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread. Notice this. With the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And the Apostle Paul is really picking up on that idea of people indulging leaven and being cut off because the context is a sobering one. A man is sleeping with his stepmother and the church doesn't care. The church perhaps is celebrating that. That's why he says don't boast. This guy's in obvious Blatant sin, obvious sin, blatant sin. The church is cool with that. The Apostle Paul says, let's go back to Exodus 12 and let's see what happened with leaven in the house. Look at verse 11, because it's not just sexual sin in view as I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty, guilty of sexual immorality, or, notice, or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, swindler. So it's not just sexual sin. Let us not isolate that here alone. You've got greed. You've got idolatry. You've got reviling. You've got drunkenness. You've got swindling, cheating people somehow. So if you Bear the name of brother or sister. If you claim the family of God to not care, to not care about what Jesus died to free us from, God is saying that's a problem. Do you see what 1 Corinthians 5 is doing with Exodus 12? It's saying, of so great a salvation, um, earnestly, carefully, deliberately remember. Remembering like how you ate those bitter herbs to remind you of the bitter slavery of the past. I don't know if you can relate to this, but sometimes I catch myself, I'm not saying this is good, but I catch myself reflecting kind of nostalgically in some sense on my pre-Christian life especially my college years. And I think I do that because I look back and I can catch myself some way thinking, that was kind of freedom, wasn't it? I was free to do anything I wanted without my conscience showing me how wrong I was. But it wasn't freedom. It was slavery. And that's what God wants his people to remember here in light of Exodus 12, in light of 1 Corinthians 5, to so earnestly remember so great a salvation. Jesus, our, our perfect, unblemished lamb, provided a once-for-all, fully sufficient sacrifice to free us from those things, to free us from what is empty and cannot satisfy. We're going to see that deliverance 
next week. Wrath passing over, judgment passing over all who believe. This first is, it's gospel ethic Old Testament style. It's sort of the reverse of what you see in a lot of New Testament epistles. When in a lot of the New Testament epistles, you have first gospel truth and then gospel ethic. You have salvation, you have Christ's accomplishment, and then how to live in light of that. It's kind of reversed here, isn't it? The deliverance hasn't yet happened. They're told how to prepare for it. The deliverance is about to happen. First, they're told how to live in light of that. This is gospel ethic, Old Testament style. So friends, just consider here to make application. Consider, is there an area in which you're forgetting that bitter former slavery? Is there some leaven of the old life that you are indulging, hanging on to, keeping you know, stored in the pantry, so to speak? I don't want to put that out of the house entirely. Is there some of the old leaven of the old life you're clinging to? It might be a fairly small sin that like leaven, is spreading and corrupting other areas of life. It might be some bitterness you're hanging on to. It could be a a hidden lust that you refuse to tell close friends about to get help with because you really don't want to let go of that old leaven. For all who bear the name of brother or sister, for all who claim the family of Jesus, oh, friends, let us, let us earnestly, carefully, deliberately remember as we, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, let us celebrate our Passover lamb. Let us come to Christ and be satisfied. Let us similarly heed this summons to look back and remember. The Lord's Supper is about more than looking back. It's certainly about fellowship with Christ by the Spirit. It's certainly about looking forward to the wedding supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb to come. But there's a looking back. As you do so, is there something to acknowledge to God who loves you? who is eager to forgive you? Is there something where I need help from those who care for me, around me, and Lord, help me to talk to them later today or soon or what have you? There's something like that for you. Friends, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Wrath has passed over his people for all who believe. Condemnation removed 
for all who believe. Guilt taken away, sin atoned for in full, forgiveness provided, adoption bestowed. You bear the name of brother or sister in the family of God. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, but rejoicing in this good news. Would you pray with me? And we'll take the Lord's Supper together. And I just want to encourage you as we're pausing here and maybe the Holy Spirit's been in his love, in his mercy, speaking to you about something, giving you the gift of conviction. Embrace that as a gift, a gift we all need. And bring it to the Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for you once for all. Bring it to the Passover lamb who had no need to die again and again. Instead, he said, over your sin who believe, it is finished. Bring that to him asking for his spirit to empower you right now. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this window in Exodus 12 to see more of our Savior, to see Christ, our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed once for all. Help us to, help us to rejoice. Help us to believe afresh and help us to live in light of this good news, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.